0: Thank you for staying tuned to WRGC 88.3 FM. Up next at 8, we commence an hour of local programming on WRGC. First, on Georgia College Connections, we continue our series of Times Talk conversations with a program about bathroom bills, the Trump administration, and the latest battles in the fight for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender rights and equality. Following Georgia College Connections, we'll take a step off the Georgia College campus and into the downtown Milledgeville area to talk about an economic renaissance in downtown Milledgeville. That's in the second half of this hour of local programming on Milledgeville Matters. It's coming up after this Station ID. You're listening to WRGC 88.3 FM, a broadcast service of Georgia College. Georgia's Public Liberal Arts University. Support for Georgia College Connections comes from Georgia College, Georgia's Public Liberal Arts University. Providing the experience students would expect from a private college, with the affordability of a public university. For more information, gcsu.edu. Thank you for tuning in to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. I'm your host, Daniel McDonald, and today we continue our collaboration with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College to bring their Times Talk conversations to our radio audience. The Times Talk is a weekly Current Events and Ideas Symposium that takes place at noon Wednesdays in the Ina Dillard Russell Library on the campus of Georgia College in downtown Milledgeville. These events are free and open to the public, so if this discussion sparks your interest, please consider joining the conversation at noon Wednesdays in the Georgia College Library. Today, our topic of conversation is bathroom bills, LGBT rights, and the new administration. I'm joined in the studio today by Georgia College Marketing Professor Joanna Schwartz. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for coming out and bringing this conversation to our radio audience. Now, again, we're talking about bathroom bills, LGBT rights, and the effect that the new administration is having on this issue. And I thought I'd just start off by kind of looking at the recent history and, and talking about that. So on the long slog to all people created equal, can you describe the place where people who identify as LGBT in their advocates find themselves in the present?
1: Well, I think that with any struggle for rights, one of the things you find are you have steps forward and steps back. And in LGBT rights, there have been great strides in the recent administrations, and most notably, of course, was marriage equality. And one of the things that tends to happen, I think, as people progress, is it also causes a reaction to that. And I believe that part of what we're seeing now is a reaction to that message of equality. So there was a bill recently in Georgia that wasn't signed by the governor, but it was sort of mirroring what you see in North Carolina with HB2. And a lot of conservative legislatures around the country are now taking HB2 as a model. And in more conservative states, they're pressing this idea that transgender people should be, you know, excluded from you know being able to, to go about their lives. And and that's uh, that's really I think where we are right now is, is that it's it's a turning point in society where um, history is fighting back against the progress that we've been making.
0: And when you look at where we are right now, uh, do you think that this may be like almost like a, a relapse that we see when, when children develop? And before they make large leaps into just a new motor skill or something like that, they kind of relapse back. Do you think that with the progress that's been made that we're kind of seeing a snapback in the present and maybe there is a greater future ahead?
1: Well, progress moves forward. Even you know, if you look at the history of the world, every time we move forward, sometimes there is pressure against that. And it doesn't stop the inevitable march of history i'm not saying that these kind of things represent a dark age but you know with that example there are times when society reverts back and this may be a time where we're going to see a lot of laws that try to legislate people's morality or their interpretation of morality through discrimination and I believe that's something that we have to, as a society, be very careful about.
0: And Now, let's talk about some of these laws and the ways that they're kind of arguing out this conversation. You mentioned the North Carolina bathroom bill, and there are a few others out there. Can you explain about the ways that people are trying to legislate this?
1: Well, sure, and I think one of the things that it goes back to, and there's something that's going on right now in the Texas State Senate that's called Senate Bill 6. And one of the things that people are legislating is what defines male and female. And as somebody who has, you know, had estrogen in their system exclusively for the past year and a half and more than that, I sort of look at that as something that that helps me understand and be able to define who I am. But One of the things that states are saying is, some states are are saying, you are male or female based on your chromosomal makeup. And they're arguing that based on that should limit how you use a restroom. I don't know if you've had a chromosomal test lately. Have you? No. no, I I have not. And so that's not a very practical method of, understanding somebody's gender. So one of the things that I think states are trying to do is they're trying to legislate this view of a societal view of gender without taking into account the aspects of gender that are are most prominent, the most evident. If you believe yourself to be female and you dress female and you go through a name change which I have done and I have updated my passport and all of my, you know, everything about that, I am absolutely in the world as female. I recognize that and that's not really the Georgia state legislature can tell me that I'm not female, but I don't believe them. And frankly, one of the reasons that Texas and North Carolina are doing these things is because they don't approve. No one who goes through a gender transition does it lightly. And they're certainly not doing it to get into a bathroom. A bathroom is just there because, I mean, you have to use the bathroom. There's just no choice in it. So the place that this hurts the most is transgender children. Because if you pass this legislation, then states and school districts can restrict children from being able to express their gender identity or force a transgender woman force a transgender girl to use a restroom with boys who are unsympathetic that's setting up a, a situation where children are going to be hurt and bullied and killed and commit suicide If you check, there's studies that say that 41% of the transgender people who are alive today in the United States have tried to commit suicide. I mean, that's just the ones who are alive. You know, the people who are, it's, it's a difficult way to be in the world. And to tell parents of a transgender child that their child is going to have to suffer that kind of abuse is
0: unfeeling. Well, we're out of time in this segment, so we're going to take a short break. But if you're just joining us, you're listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today, we're having another in our series of collaboration with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College to bring their Times Talk conversations to our radio audience. Today, we're talking about bathroom bills, LGBT rights, and the new administration. I'm joined in the studio by Georgia College marketing professor, Joanna Schwartz. Stay tuned and we'll be right back with more Georgia College Connection. Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. We're having another of our Times Talk conversations on Georgia College Connections. Please consider this your invitation to come out at noon Wednesdays at the Georgia College Library and join in the discussions that we feature on our radio program. Today, we're talking about bathroom bills, LGBT rights, and the new administration. I'm joined in the studio by Joanna Schwartz. She's a Georgia College marketing professor. Now, in that last segment, we're kind of taking a broad overview of some of the many different facets of this conversation. And we're talking a little bit about the history. We were talking about how in these last years, we've seen a uh, dissolution of the Defense of Marriage Act, and then a recognition of marriage equality by the Supreme Court. Uh, But what we're seeing now in the present are a number of attempts by the states and other local jurisdictions to try to undermine these national movements in the course of LGBT rights. And during the break, we were talking about, although these are very narrowly defined especially when we look at the bathroom legislation that's cropping up in different states, that perhaps is not exactly what is at the core of the arguments that those who would try to write this legislation want. And so I ask you, what do you feel is at the core of this new rash of legislation?
1: Well, I think that the new legislation is, I I think it's a pushback, and I think it's a way to create a moral religious argument that some people have that transgender people are not just people that they are mentally ill people who have um you know something fundamentally wrong with their perception of themselves and this is really founded in a religious argument as it happens that's a very Christianity-specific argument, and there are a number of religions, such as Judaism, that absolutely accept transgender people as people in society, just as anyone else is. So I think that part of this is a religious reactionism to a progressive society. I also believe that the arguments that you hear in favor and opposed to these bills that come from people like the Family Research Council or that come from one of the big pushbacks that North Carolina had was from sports organizations. The NCAA said they wouldn't run tournaments in the state. National Football League said they would not hold a Super Bowl there with those laws in place. And for some legislators, that's significant. That's going on right now in Texas, too. The business leaders of the state said there are companies that will not want to come here because we're basically saying that we're exclusionary and whether it is meant that way or not it's interpreted as a very real expression of hatred of a minority and so when things like that are happening one of the things that you tend to see is okay well if people will vote for this because it'll keep business in their state which I think is one of the arguments that was made when the Georgia bill was vetoed. I'm fine with them voting for that reason. I'd like for them to vote against bills like this because they're just wrong. They're, they're not in the best interest of people or society, and they actually encourage exclusion and hatred.
0: Do you feel that it's just a cheapening of what needs to be a very thoughtful conversation that we need to have as a society when it comes down to dollars and cents in that way? I mean, because when you look at the Texas argument, one of the most vocal opponents is the Texas Association of Businesses, and it's strictly on economic lines look at what happened in North Carolina and we don't want that to happen in Texas. There's no real consideration upon the humanity of the people who are affected by this legislation or possible legislation.
1: Well, I I believe that that businesses are trying to make an argument that resonates with legislators and everyone does that. You know, you look at your interests. I believe that businesses absolutely see this as an economic issue, but it's also an issue of exclusion because the best companies tend to be the companies that value diversity. So one of the things that you said at the break was that this was about, you know, shouldn't these conversations be had between people? And they absolutely should, because one of the things that a lot of people, and that's one of the things they're trying to do with the Times Talk, is actually bring people other, together and discuss this issue in a positive way, even if you don't believe that, it's, it's, that my view, certainly if you don't believe my view or The Times' view is correct, being able to discuss it as people is important. And one of the problems with viewing the trans community right now that we see in society is that people don't know someone who's trans, or if they do, they don't realize it. Everyone who knows me, everyone who's ever taken a class with me has had a trans professor. They didn't realize it at the time, but I'm the exact same person I've always been. Part of the problem is that everyone knows somebody who's gay. Everybody knows someone who's a lesbian. But if you don't know someone who's transgender, your touch point for that is Caitlyn Jenner. And nothing against Caitlyn Jenner, but she and I have very little in common. And that view of transgender people as a stereotype, I think is the reason these bills are coming up. And I think it's the reason that people are reacting so violently to the idea of bathroom bills and just the nature of changes in society. People who know me realize, first of all, that I'm not a threat. Second of all, that I'm the same person I've always been, and that I have a lot to bring to the table. So part of this understanding is going to have to come from conversations like this. And it's gonna require people who are transgender to step out of their comfort zone and get together with other people and try to express themselves in a way that you can see, okay, now I've got a stereotype in my mind of this, but you know, these people are not like that. And so I've got 120 students this semester. They've never had a transgender professor before. It's my hope that it hasn't impacted our class, that there's, I'm still teaching them the material they need to know. What I wear is truly unimportant. And so it's my hope that... Maybe by talking to you, maybe by having this times talk, maybe by being in front of students. One of the things we're doing is getting toward a a better understanding of people as individuals.
0: And as we're talking, I'm curious about your thoughts. Why do you think we place um, gender at such a, a prominent point within people's identity?
1: Because from before you're born and from the moment you're born, gender defines you and i actually teach consumer behavior and one of the things that we talk about is that messages to women are crafted differently than messages to men the things that are important to women are are fundamentally unique to the gender it speaks to your way of being in the world and part of the thing that i think that people don't necessarily realize is you know you know your gender you've always known that and everyone does i know my gender part of my issue was that against physical evidence i knew what my gender was and trying to be able to accept and deal with that in a society that doesn't necessarily value that realization there's a strong there's a strong especially when it comes to gender conformity expectation. You don't come into work wearing a dress. You know, there are expectations, especially for men. There are certain things that define masculinity, and men are very careful to walk within those lines. That's a box that you don't go outside of. With women, there's a little more leeway in terms of what femininity includes, but it's defining... Of a person at a core level and so when you're trying to argue that you are a different gender than was written on your birth certificate there are a lot of people who find that religiously offensive because now you're talking about saying that God made a mistake and one of the things I think is really important to mention is that I don't believe in any way that God made a mistake I think that God very specifically you don't mind my talking about this, but I think that God very specifically for me needed me to be in the world as a male for part of my life, because there were things that I had to do as a male that did not make me one. And if this were something that had been in me my entire life, I believe that you know on a very meaningful level, this is an issue I was meant to deal with, because I I can't imagine a God who would want me to go through my life afraid and never face this challenge that he put before me. So I think that a lot of people's view that this is against religion discounts the fact that many people who are transgender are very religious people, just as many people who are Gay and lesbian are very religious people. The LGBT community is not made of strictly heathens. You know, We're people who are often very spiritually
0: based. And I love that you bring our conversation there, that when we believe in a perfect creator, if that is what we believe, that all of their creations have meaning and a purpose in this world. And I think that challenging otherwise takes some some more self-examination about what you truly believe the tenets of uh, a religion are and the way that you interpret your religion and your belief in it. Now, I want to ask one question. You know, as many of the people putting forth this legislation are men, do you believe that there is a crisis in masculinity in our society and that is what is making this such a at loggerheads conversation that we're having?
1: Well, I absolutely believe that one of the things that you can't really understand if you have never experienced it yourself is that um, males have a confidence that is born of testosterone and when I had testosterone going through my system I knew the right answer I was right I, I I knew what you should be doing and once that left me I really Reexamined the way that I saw the world, and so I don't always know what is right. I don't always know the best answer, but I think that there are a lot of people who feel that they do, and they don't just know it for themselves. They know it for other people, and so I think it's very easy for a man to make a judgment on transgender rights or uh, abortion or you know some issue that only affects them tangentially, but affects other people in a very, very real and personal level.
0: We're just about out of time on our program today, and so it's time for our perennial last time's talk question. And I just want to ask you, what do you hope that your audience gains from the conversation on Wednesday?
1: Well, one of the things that I'm hoping they'll understand is that bathroom bills are fundamentally a vehicle to discriminate against people. Real people, and as a member of the transgender community, I am one of those people, and one of the things that I'm hoping that they'll understand from that talk is that I'm not a stereotype. I'm just a person, and sometimes I have to go to the bathroom.
0: Would you, Joanna Schwartz, thank you so much for coming on our show and having this conversation with, with myself, but also our radio audience. I do appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure. You've been listening to Georgia College Connections on WRTC 88.3 FM. Today we're having another in our series of collaboration with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College. We're bringing their Times Talk conversation to our radio audience. Of course, the Times Talk takes place at noon each Wednesday in the Georgia College Library. So consider this your invitation to come out and join the conversation. Today, we were talking about bathroom bills, LGBT rights, and the new administration. I was joined in the studio by Joanna Schwartz. She is a Georgia College marketing professor. I've been your host, Daniel McDonald. It's been my pleasure spending a portion of this evening with you here on Georgia College Connections, and I want you to know I look forward to convening with you next time.